Today is Tuesday, September 21st, 2021, and here are three things you need to know to be smart today. Our first story, the Senate parliamentarian deals a crushing death blow to Democrats' illegal immigration push, declaring that amnesty for millions of criminal migrants must come by way of legislation, not backdoor deals and sneaky procedure. This is the most devastating blow to the Biden administration Yet, in our next story, border update, U.S. authorities have accelerated the removal of Haitians at our border with Mexico. Haitians are now fleeing back into Mexico to avoid being sent back to Haiti. But the exhausted border agents are literally rolling their eyes, according to reports, at the Biden administration saying the border is closed. It's a lie, and everyone knows it. Our next story, maskless celebrities packed into the Emmy celebration, wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder, sitting on each other's laps, face to face. They don't care. Rules are for the little people and disgusted Americans are hitting back at Hollywood elitism from coast to coast. And in good news today, the Supreme Court is going to hear a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade in the Mississippi case on December 1st. Could this mean the end of abortion in America? We can only pray. My name is Benny Johnson and this is The Benny Show. My fellow Americans, it is more important now than ever to support independent creators and news gatherers. We live in an era of misinformation and disinformation run by our corporate media. We on this show answer to no one. Our only guide is the truth, and that is why we thank you for your support. If you want to help the show out, please subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media, and share this show. With that, Let's get started with our first story today. Get your life preservers, get your lifeboats. It is going to be a flash flood in Washington, D.C. The halls of Congress, the White House, Constitution Avenue, our museums, they are going to get flooded with the tears of Democrat members of Congress and liberal activists all throughout Washington. It's going to be assault fest unlike anything we've ever seen because today a crushing blow to the Democrats agenda happened and it is devastating. Indeed, the Democrats will not be able to get amnesty until at least 2024 and that is a bad day. The tears are flowing already from Ilhan Omar to AOC to the Biden administration to Chuck Schumer to Nancy Pelosi. The tears are salty and it creates a river, a true flash flood warning in Washington unlike anything you have seen in your lifetime. Yes, I hope that Jen Psaki has her little floaties on her arms because she is going to need them to try and wade through this mess. So how did we get to this hurricane monsoon level of liberal tears flooding the streets of Washington? Well, it came at the hands of our nonpartisan Senate parliamentarian. That's right. The Senate parliamentarian in the Senate crushes a deal that Democrats were trying to strike to get backdoor amnesty for millions of Americans in this country. Joe Biden wanted 11 million illegal criminal migrants to get amnesty. The Democrat Senate wanted 8 million. Well, they're going to get 0 million. And here is why. This is why the parliamentarian of the Senate has said you cannot use 
reconciliation in order to pass your legislative partisan agenda. So what does that mean? Reconciliation is a procedural tool in order to keep the budget process rolling throughout partisan bickering and filibusters. What that means is that inside of a very narrow scope, you can pass budgets by a simple majority in the House, which is how it works in the House, and by a simple majority in the Senate. But those budgets have to be reined in. You cannot just add all the goodie bags you want. And this affects both parties because the GOP tried to do this with Obamacare. They tried to uh, get rid of Obamacare and the uh, Affordable Care Act through reconciliation. It's very easy to do that because you only need a one-seat majority in either house in order to get that done. You have a one-seat majority in the Democratic Senate right now. You have a very slim seven-seat majority in the House of Representatives right now with Nancy Pelosi, and so you would be able to skate by very thinnest razor, 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 razor margins. You'd be able to skate past the... Procedures like the filibuster, which means you have to get 60 votes in the Senate. So you can essentially pass things on a party line and pass things on a simple majority through reconciliation. But here's the catch. The reconciliation has to be pertaining to the budget and cannot severely affect any other part of American society. That is why the Senate parliamentarians' decision is correct here. Because allowing millions of criminal migrants to become American citizens would indeed devastatingly affect and change forever American culture as we know it. That is clear. So here is what the parliamentarian said. The Senate's nonpartisan parliamentarian said Democrats can't use their $3.5 trillion package bolstering social and climate programs to give millions of immigrants a chance to become citizens. you got to hand it to the Democrats here. Boy, do they throw a Hail Mary every single time they get power. They just chuck that football as far down the field as they possibly can, hoping that it lands inside and gets lodged in someone's face mask. They want this done. And boy, Republicans, I wouldn't it be nice if Republicans used power the way that Democrats use power? Wouldn't it be nice if Republicans said, wow, the people have given us the reins of power. Maybe it's time to enact the policy prescriptions that our base sent us here to enact. Let's build a wall. Let's cut Medicare. Let's cut Medicaid. Let's cut entitlement programs. Let's even cut military spending. I mean, you can see exactly how poorly our operations have been running inside of our military. Let's cut government spending overall. Let's eliminate federal agencies. Let's move federal agencies out of Washington. The conservatives that put us here want that along with lower taxes and so maybe we should start passing all of those policy prescriptions. Maybe we should rein in abortion in this country. Maybe we should allow for freedom of speech and freedom of religion to reign supreme through law and new legislation in order to ensconce that maybe we should pass election reform on a federal level that gives all of the rights to the states to run their own elections and makes fraud-proof elections. We could have an audit on a federal level of our federal elections. But no, no, no. When you have conservatives in power, what you end up getting is criminal justice reform. That's what you end up getting. <laughs> That's what you'll get. You'll get a Republican House and a Republican Senate and a Republican president, and then you'll get 
um, you know, corporate tax cuts. This is what happens when Republicans are in power. They don't know how to wield power. In some regards, it's nice because Republicans don't sit around obsessing about power the same way that Democrats do, but that unhealthy obsession does lead to Democrats being able to punch through an enormous amount of liberal activism and change forever the fabric of the country every time they get a little bit of power. You saw this with Barack Obama's first two years and Obamacare, the overhaul and expansion of the federal government to levels we have never seen, the encroachment of the federal government into places we have never seen, like your personal health, like the health care you can get from your business. These kind of things are massive, systemic, yes, changes that happen in our country, and they happen because Democrats wield power when they get it. They say to their base, okay, get ready, buckle up, buckaroo. We are going to actually enact the things you sent us here to enact, and boy, would it be beautiful to see conservatives have the same guts in their belly to do the exact same thing. Thank God that conservatives and the weaklings on our side get saved ever so often by people like the nonpartisan Senate parliamentarian who put a grinding halt stop in the center of the road, a brick of cement that stopped the car from running directly off the cliff. Thelma and Louise, that is the Democrat policy agenda. They want to overhaul the federal elections to make sure that they never lose another election again. They want to pass the Green Dune deal. They want to pass amnesty. Boy, they just go full Leroy Jenkins, full Kool-Aid man is what happened. And when Hillary Clinton said at the onset of the 2020 election that Nancy Pelosi had everything all lined up and ready to go in the House, she wasn't lying. These people scheme. These people are power-obsessed monsters. And when you give them an inch, and I'm telling you, they have the razor-thin, I mean, you're talking the thinnest conceivable margin in Washington, D.C. for a majority, but the Democrats are utilizing it and wielding it. Boy, it would be amazing if Republicans wielded power when they got power. And by the way, the majorities in the Senate and the majorities in the House handed to Paul Ryan and McConnell and Trump in 2017 were substantial. They weren't one person. They weren't a single senator. They were substantial. They weren't veto-proof. They weren't filibuster-proof. But they were substantial majorities. But Republicans, of course, don't wield power. We let John McCain derail uh, repealing Obamacare, right? We we let singular senators from our own party come out and destroy our own agenda sent to the calls of Congress by the majority of the people. It's so irritating, but I digress. All right, so this is obviously a correct ruling because when you create overnight 11 million new Americans with 11 million new entitlement claims, well, you really do have a crisis on your hand. It's saying that it'll cost billions. Yeah, that's probably a low number. And that is exactly why you cannot have open borders and a welfare state. This is what Milton Friedman said a couple decades ago, and he's more right today than ever. When you see the state of failed states in South America, in the Caribbean, when you look at what failed states look like, I have seen them up close. We have a Haitian crisis right now on our border with Haitian migrants. 
flooding our border, it does truly look like an invasion. When you have that kind of an issue, you have to look back at what Kamala Harris says often, the root causes. Well, what are the root causes? The root causes are the collapsing economies of these states through corruption, through the cartels, through mismanagement, and it really does affect people on a personal basis. Now, you look up to America and you have an open welfare state and an open border where people could live presumably freely and safely and get paid by the government, get paid for their health care, get paid for their food, get paid for their housing. Guys, it's not going to work out. Think about your own house. Think about the treasure inside of your home, TVs, food, the toys your children use. Consider your own house. If you were to have a home that had an open door and people, anyone from the streets, were able to wander into your house and use your things, that is the equivalent of an open state welfare state. Think about it. I went to Chaz, all right? I went to Chaz and I saw this in action. I saw bums and people fighting each other because they were stealing from each other. People would break into each other's tents and then they would harm each other physically in order to get access to whatever the other person had in their tents. It's an awful system. Communism doesn't work. Socialism doesn't work for this exact principle. The ability to control and the ability to protect that which is yours is the greatest motivator in all of human history. The ability to own land, the ability to own property, the ability to close your door and to say, no, I have worked for this. This is mine. I will protect it. That is actually a wonderful motivator for people to behave civilly in society and for people to work hard and to provide value for each other. If you live in a house with no door on it, with no windows on it, and all of your treasure, your life savings, your food, your children's toys, your televisions were open to the world and any bum off the street could walk in and rip your television off the wall and walk out or presumably not walk out, just stay. That is the equivalent to right now the Biden border policy. That is the equivalent to what Democrats wanted to do in this reconciliation, in this amnesty. They wanted to open up our home And then allow people to take that which is ours and then to sit there on the couch to eat the food and to watch the TV and to not contribute. And in the meantime, you are working your fingers to the bone and you are getting less and less because there are freeloaders that are freely walking into your home and using your stuff. They are taking food out of the mouths of your children and they're sitting on your couch. And they have a spoon and they have the jar of peanut butter that you bought and they're eating it. And you don't even know who this person is. They just walked through the open front door. That is the equivalent of the Biden immigration policy right now. It is failing. It is suicidal. It is disastrous to an economy. And the greatest economist of our time, Milton Friedman, has stated so for generations. You cannot have open borders and a welfare state. Period. 
It wouldn't work on your household level, and it doesn't work on a federal government level. But none of these people running our federal government has ever had to run a household. They've never had to run a budget. They've never had to start a business. They've never had to make payroll. They've never had to make sure that their employees had food on their table, roofs over their heads. They've never had to make a singular valuable product in the free market anyway, and that's why they're running the country like this. Joe Biden has never worked in the private sector. Nancy Pelosi has never worked in the private sector. Chuck Schumer has never worked in the private sector. None of these people have done anything other than be lechers, leeches, parasites off the belly of us, the productive class, us, the people who actually make something in this country. And so that's why they pass policies like this. That's why policies like this reign supreme in Washington, D.C., because the only interest in Washington, D.C. is to make sure that Washington, D.C. gets more power. And if they're waving magic wands and creating new Americans, then presumably they are getting more powerful. Democrats want this because migrants often come into this country. They break our laws. The first thing they do as an act is to break our laws. There are a series of laws on the books that would stack to the ceiling right now in a very tall hotel lobby that say it is illegal to cross into our country. There is law after law after law, many of them passed by Democratic Congresses, talking about the immigration of this country, the immigration into this country, and the laws that govern it. And in every single instance, we have looked this up, it says it is illegal to cross our borders without permission. It is illegal to remain in this country without permission. It is illegal to work in this country without being a citizen. To pull from this country's resources, security, and infrastructure without being a legal resident. Every second you stay in this country illegally, you are breaking a dozen more laws. And so, yes, they are criminal migrants. Yes, it is illegal. Their first act is criminality when they enter into this country. It was disgusting. I stood on the border just this week. I stood directly in between the border of America and Mexico. One foot in Mexico, one foot in America. We recorded a full podcast there in order to demonstrate exactly how open our borders are. It was devastating. We saw the slats of Trump's wall laying in the desert, almost completed. You're talking 95% completed. But the slats that were laying in the desert were there because Joe Biden ordered them not to be completed the day he became president. The day that Joe Biden was inaugurated, the order, the decree came down, stop construction. They paid these workers and these contractors to sit in the desert and do nothing. And the walls, the slats of the wall just sit there. Even though the border agents that I was with told me that they desperately need it, that the wall was the greatest thing to ever happen to them that the wall was actually creating peace and prosperity in Yuma, Arizona, and was creating good neighbors. Good fences make good neighbors. Anyone living in a neighborhood understands this. Anyone living in a neighborhood also understands that if you had no doors and no windows on your house, and if people were just entering into your home and taking everything that is yours, that it would create a very bad neighborhood. It would create a very bad neighborhood. Indeed, I've lived in neighborhoods much like the neighborhood I just moved from in Washington, D.C., which was certainly a rougher neighborhood. It was not fancy by any measure. It was a rough part of Washington, D.C., and there were drug houses on my block. Those drug houses were real problems, and oftentimes those drug houses had some real nefarious 
people wandering in and out. And every time that there was a theft or every time that someone was trying to take from someone else, wandering through these doors with very loose hinges, you could say, on them, uh, it led to violence. We saw multiple shootings in our last neighborhood in Washington, D.C. We saw multiple stabbings. We saw multiple houses getting burnt down, including the house directly adjacent to ours, which was lit on fire. It was really bad. Trust me, you do not want open borders. Trust me, the greatest motivator in life is your own property, your own security, and maintaining that which you have worked for. It is actually a wonderful motivator to behave lawfully, and a terrible, terrible motivator is open borders and a welfare state that encourages people to behave unlawfully. That is why this is such a massive ruling for freedom in this country. Thank God Republicans are celebrating. Senator Grassley from Iowa said the parliamentarian confirmed the obvious mass amnesty for millions of illegal immigrants is a budgetary, is not a budgetary issue appropriate for reconciliation. Senator Graham said it it would have led to an increase run on the border beyond the chaos we already see today. And Leader McConnell said Democrat leaders refuse to resist the progressive base and stand up to the rule for the rule of law, even though our border has never been less secure. All of those things are correct. All of those indications are right. It would have led to further chaos on our border and It is indeed the worst chaos we have ever seen in the history of this country happening right now on the border. You see right now in Del Rio, Texas, what the results of open borders truly are. I have traveled to Haiti. I went to Haiti on a missions trip with Rand Paul, of all people. And Rand Paul is a surgeon. He is a very talented surgeon, and he performed surgery for the extremely poor and impoverished people of Haiti. Haiti is a failed state by every measure. You have over 50% unemployment. You have abject poverty, cruelty, and terrible lives for people. It makes you really feel bad for them. However, you also do not add anything to the country by having an open border and an open door so that anyone who wants to walk in can walk in. And that is exactly what's happening in Del Rio, Texas. The first question on the docket is, how the hell did 20,000 Haitians get from Haiti to the American border? It is a 2,000-mile trip to get to Haiti. It is a 2,000-mile trip to get from Haiti to the southern border of Del Rio in Texas on the Mexican border. So how did they get the 2,000 miles? I think that really does need to be investigated, and we need to start asking people with investigative power in our government to start really asking these questions. How are 20,000 Haitian migrants getting to our American border? Why are we not asking that? We hear Kamala Harris drone on and on and on about root causes, root causes, root causes. seems to be a pretty important root cause. How are impoverished Haitian migrants traveling 2,000 miles across an ocean in order to get to our border? And by the way, 20,000 people is far larger than the town I grew up in. You are not talking about insignificant numbers here. And according to reports, there are still thousands stuck under the bridge waiting to be processed. And the Biden administration is going to let a number of them, quite a few of them, into the country. However, 
They have begun flights back to Haiti, and that has caused people to actually leave America and go back to Mexico in order to avoid removal from America. Here we have our next article and our next story. Border update, U.S. authorities accelerate removal of Haitians at the border with Mexico. U.S. authorities moved some 2,000 people to other immigration processing Stations on Friday from a Texas border town that has already been overwhelmed with an influx of Haitians and other migrants, the Department of Homeland Security said. This is a widespread problem over the last few days. DHS is finally taking action. While some migrants seeking jobs and safety have been making their way to the United States over the last few weeks and months, in the recent days, the number converging in Del Rio, Texas has drawn widespread attention posing a humanitarian and political challenges for the Biden administration. U.S. Customs and Border Protection was sending 400 additional agents to the Del Rio section in the coming days. Statements from DHS say we have reiterated that our borders are not open and that people should not make the dangerous journey. Of course, your lying eyes tell you the other story, which is that, yes, our borders are absolutely open. I saw with my own two eyes the open border as we tried to record this podcast in Yuma, Arizona, standing directly in the middle of the open border, and I watched about two dozen migrants come running across. Now, where did they go? Did they flee into the interior of the nation? Of course not. They ran directly to the immigration officer who was standing there inside of a Biden welcome center. Yes, Biden has built structures on the border. They're just not walls. Biden has built welcome centers. They are small little huts that provide shade, water, bathrooms, and stations in order to fill out your immigration documents. And then those migrants, criminal migrants, criminal illegal aliens that have just broken our laws are simply released into the interior of the country. I watched it happen with my own two eyes. According to reports, immigration agents roll their eyes, rolled them so far back into their heads, their eyeballs snapped on this assertion. The statement from DHS, we have reiterated that our borders are not open. Well, let's see. There are 20,000 Haitian migrants living under the bridge in Del Rio, Texas, building thatched huts that say otherwise. The sweeping U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Public Prevention Health Order, known as Title 42, issued under the Trump administration at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, allows most immigrants to be quickly expelled without chance of claiming asylum. President Biden has kept the rule in place, though he exempted unaccompanied minors and his administration has not been expelling most families. They haven't been expelling most people. 1.4 million Criminal migrants have rushed our borders this year alone. 1.4 million is larger than the population of many American states. You're talking entirely new states being created of people. Now, why do Democrats want amnesty right now for those people? Well, because those migrants are not asylum seekers, not by a wide margin. Those migrants are able-bodied young males who seek a better life. They are economic migrants, and they wish to move to red states. This is why the Biden administration wishes for amnesty. They want to move to red states. The migrants want to go to places that have good economies. So states like Texas, states like Florida, are seeing a 
undue amount of pressure coming from the criminal migrants and the illegal immigration in this country. These are the landing locations because they are red states and they are properly run and they have great economies. You can get jobs here. Well, when those people get also voter cards and IDs, the hope inside of the Democratic Party, and this plays out obviously through data, is that they will vote for Democrats and they certainly will vote for the people who gave them amnesty in the first place. And so this is indeed a cruel and callous tactic in order for power. Power, power reigns supreme. It always does. It's a party that's obsessed with power. It's why they wield power. It's why Democrats are actually prepared when they get power. Because it's all that they think about. It's all that they obsess about. It's the only motivator in their lives. It has nothing to do with making better life for a young Haitian male who comes here from abject poverty. It has nothing to do with helping him out. It has everything to do with helping out the bottom line of the Democratic Party. Period. Do not think otherwise. It's why when asked about their abject hypocrisy on this issue, it's why when asked about the absolute chaos and carnage that you're seeing at the border, Democrats really don't have much to say about it. They certainly don't have much to say about it when it comes to COVID policy, which of course has been the driving motivator for Democrats over the last number of months because COVID policy is hopefully leading to universal mail-in voting. And that once again gives them power. Think about it as a vector of power. Does it give Democrats power? It's a very simple decision matrix. Does it give us more power? Well, then the answer is yes. We will do it. We will push it. We will obsess over it. COVID is one of those things. It gives Democrats more power. It allows for extremely fraudulent and open to corruption, universal mail-in voting. In the California recall, you could print your ballots off at home. In the California recall... There are dozens of instances of people showing up to the polls wishing to vote and saying that their votes had already been cast. Now, I have not seen any research as to why that was happening. No one has sat and calmly explained to me what that meant, why that occurred, why was it so widespread. It's not, it's certainly not just right-wing media saying that. It's corporate media, corporate television stations owned by ABC and Fox and NBC were in LA and they were covering these stories. People showing up and saying that they had already voted. So what the hell is happening there? Nobody explained it. Nobody can say. But California has universal mail-in voting. They had print your ballots from home. What happens when you make elections less secure and when ballots become worthless, much like they're trying to make our currency, not worth the paper they're printed on, when you have unaccompanied ballots that can be flooded in from anywhere and by anyone, ballot harvesting is legal, by the way, in California. It's legal to go and harvest ballots, to have anyone handle any ballot. When you lose the sanctity of your ballot, when you lose the sanctity of your vote, then your votes become worthless. And that's what we saw in California. Your votes become worthless. And the goal of having worthless votes is if you control the mechanisms of who counts the votes, much like Stalin said, it's not a matter of who votes, it's who is counting the votes. Nice quote from Stalin there, prescient today. Well, then you have a situation on your hands. It's very healthy and it's very good to have control of the systems that count the votes. We found that out actually just this week when Vladimir Putin ended up erasing all of the gains 
of the opposition party in Russia um, through last minute, last minute surges in digital votes for his own party. Isn't that interesting how that works? Really is fascinating how that works. This is how authoritarians stay in power. It's how they've always stayed in power. And certainly it is how the worst people in the world maintain power forever. You may remember, you may remember Saddam Hussein, just wonderful guy. He had 98, 99% vote turnout. He had 99% of the vote. That one, that pesky 1%, right? Always a rounding error. Well, it is in service of power. Democrats want power. They wish to maintain it, and they will use anything to get it. So COVID, of course, helped them maintain power and assume power, and COVID will stay. Illegal immigration helps them maintain power and keep power, or so they think, even though polls are seemingly turning against them, we can only pray, and so they keep the immigrate the open borders and immigrant flow flowing into this country. Now, when asked, of course, about why illegal migrants, illegal criminal migrants are not COVID tested at the border, when asked why they are not having vaccine mandates at the border, when asked why average Americans, in order to keep their jobs or fly on a plane or go to a restaurant or order a drink at a bar, have to show their papers. Certainly, Europeans flying into this country, or even Americans for that matter, from abroad, have to show their papers, get patted down and groped at the airport. Americans traveling within the United States have to be told to pull up their masks between sips of Diet Coke on their plane. That just happened to me this weekend. Pull up your mask between sips. You've all heard it if you traveled over the last 18 months. Those kind of absurdities don't apply certainly don't apply to the border, and they do not apply to the illegal immigrant invasion that is happening on our southern border. Jen Psaki was asked about this at the White House by Peter Ducey of Fox News, and her response was predictable. A word salad, uh, much like you would get at any Ruby Tuesday's salad buffet, a absolute mess, a disaster, and of course, Jen Psaki just doesn't even know what the hell she's saying. Listen to this. The question about what's going on at the border. Is somebody asking the foreign nationals who are walking into Del Rio, Texas and setting up camps on this side of the border for proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test? Well, first of all, I can re, re, I can readdress for you or re, re-talk you through what that steps the, we that take. That is the policy for people who fly into the country. So if somebody walks into the country right across the river, does somebody ask them to see their vaccination card? Well, let me explain to you again, Peter, how our process works. As individuals, as individuals come across the border, uh, and uh, they are uh, both assessed for whether they have uh, any symptoms. If they have symptoms, they are the intention is for them to be quarantined. That is our process. They're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time. I don't think it's but the same here. thing. It's happening? not the same thing. These are individuals, as we've noted and as we've been discussed, we are expelling individuals based on Title 42. The Biden administration was also pressed on the idea of calling the border crisis a crisis. It certainly is something that is true in your personal life. If you cannot name the problems, this is just classic Freudian. 
You cannot name your problems if you do not know what's actually affecting you. The first rules of Alcoholics Anonymous, I am an alcoholic. If you do not know your problem and you cannot admit your problem, then you will not solve your problem. DHS Secretary Mayorkas was asked by Julio Rosas at the border if he thought indeed it was a crisis. And no, the Secretary of Department of Homeland Security did not say it was a crisis. Even though he admits that it's a crisis in private... He refuses to say so in public. Here uh, is our wonderful Secretary Mayorkas uh, standing on a border that is on fire, that is collapsing, that is creating the worst crisis, humanitarian crisis in American history, that is creating the modern-day equivalent of the slave trade into our country, saying, uh, no, it's not a crisis. Uh, Mr. Secretary, so you stated repeatedly that this is a challenge, but last month you were reported privately saying that what's been happening along the border is unsustainable and admitting that there's a crisis. So I'm asking, would you publicly admit right now that you've been privately that what happened was a crisis? I'm going to stop you right there. Let, let me just say very clearly, we are focused on meeting the challenge. We are focused the Biden administration uh, asserts that the border is still closed. Of course, even though your eyes are watching a, uh, a army, a army of humans invade the border, every conceivable definition of the term invasion applies here. But still, the Biden administration asserts that the border is closed. Uh, reporting on the ground from Bill Mnuchin from Fox News, who has been just excellent. Give Bill a follow on social media. He has truly been at the center of the center of this crisis. Uh, Bill says that his contacts inside of the Border Patrol have been rolling their eyes so hard they snapped into the back of their heads when they heard that the border isn't actually closed. Listen. When Secretary Mayorkas said once again that the border is closed, I can tell you that is a tough pill for border agents to swallow. They talk to us off the record and they roll their eyes when they hear that. This is the U.S. border right now. Take a look at it. You had upwards of 15,000 people here as of Saturday morning. It is now just under 12,000. But these are all migrants who crossed illegally into the United States. They just walked across the river no resistance whatsoever, and put up shop right here. All right, so here we go, guys. The third story and your good news for today. The Supreme Court will hear a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade in the Mississippi case on December 1st of this year. Could we have a ruling by Christmas? Probably not, but it certainly would bring joy unto the earth in order to have Roe versus Wade overturned in this country. Roe versus Wade has led to the absolute holocaust of small babies. The holocaust, by definition, is the targeting of a specific group of people, a specific group of people for persecution. And that is devastating. That persecution devastates that population, and that population in this instance is the unborn. The unborn, of course, have been decimated in this country. Up to 60 million unborn babies have died because of abortion. It is remarkable when you become a parent and you are able to see the stages of your child's development in the womb. You are able to see that 
little blinking light become a person, right? Our first ultrasound for my wife and I, you could just see our little one-year-old. She was just a little, little rice grain, right? It was very, very, very early on. You could just see her heartbeat. But that little rice grain beeped on the monitor and you could see the beating heart. You could see the life, the miracle inside of her. In our founding documents, it is cemented that we have natural rights in this country. Natural rights are the rights given to you by a creator, by God. The government has no ability to take them away. That's why our founding documents call them inalienable. And when you use the term inalienable, it means definitionally the government has no power to take away these rights. And what were the rights laid down in our original founding document, the Declaration of Independence? the Declaration of Independence. The original rights given to you by your creator, unable to be taken away by government, well, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Abortion steals from you, from Americans, the right to life as laid down in our founding documents by our founders, indeed by our creator, who they were speaking on behalf of and with the authority of. That's why God is mentioned so much in our founding, our illuminary founding fathers, Renaissance men truly, understood that in order to have a government that was reined in, you needed to appeal to a higher power, and that higher power was God. God gives life. When you see a ultrasound and you see that life being created, the miracle of life. You watch it with your own two eyes. Every parent will tell you, your eyes fill with tears. You are overwhelmed at the miracle of life. And the snuffing out of that life truly, truly is a horrible act, particularly for the unborn. The left likes to say, my body, my choice. Democrats like to say, my body, my choice. Of course, not in COVID era. Of course, in the COVID era, that argument has completely been incinerated, but my body, my choice, you realize when you're looking at the ultrasound, it is someone else's body. It is someone else's DNA. It is someone else's spark of life that you had no right to eliminate, not by American law and certainly not by constitutional law. I'm still looking for the part of the Constitution that guarantees abortion. I'm still looking for the, the American law that guarantees abortion. It's a ruling by our Supreme Court. It'd be very interesting to see abortion actually debated on the House floor. It'd be very interesting to see law actually written around abortion. It'd be interesting to see our elected officials have to define what life is and when it begins. I welcome that argument. That argument us pro-lifers and us Christians will win, and us religious people and us people who just care about life itself, certainly us people who care about our founding of our country and our inalienable right to life, yes, we care about those debates, and we welcome those debates. We long for them, but the left doesn't want to have those debates. No, no. The left wants to litigate, and they want to destroy other people's right to life, even though my body, my choice, that argument is invalidated by science. Science indicates that no, in fact, it is not actually your body. There's a unique DNA from inception inside of that child. 
there is a unique life force inside of that child. And children are living younger and younger. You have situations where, uh, you, where you have births that are in distress and the child needs to be born by a C-section. You are seeing uh, with passing regularity children surviving younger and younger. Uh, just this last two years, the youngest baby ever born uh, survived in, in, in after just a, a, a just a few weeks truly in, in the womb. I don't know the exact number. We'll pull that for the next podcast. But anyway, let's jump into the story here and talk. That is my case for the right to life. Here is what the Supreme Court will be looking at. All right, so what is this case specifically dealing with? The Supreme Court will hear a direct challenge to a highly divisive abortion case beginning on December 1st. So what is that case? The case is called Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health Organization in Jackson, Mississippi, and it challenges the 2018 Mississippi law banning abortions after 15 weeks. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals struck down the law in December 2019, the state's of Mississippi has asked the Supreme Court to take up the case, and the Supreme Court has complied, said, yes, we will do that. Dobbs will touch on the landmark Roe v. Wade ruling since the Supreme Court will hear arguments on whether abortion bans prior to fetal viability are constitutional, and the case will be one of the first major abortion cases in which all three former President Donald Trump's Supreme Court justices appointed will participate. Very interesting. Including Justice Amy Coney Barrett, who gained her seat on the court after a contentious confirmation having to do actually with abortion, because Amy Coney Barrett is a practicing Catholic who also has, I think, like 10 kids of her own. She was at Notre Dame. This is obviously an important issue. Also practicing Catholic, Brett Kavanaugh. At issue is the question of whether all pre-viability bans on abortion are unconstitutional. And what does that mean? Pre-viability is essentially the window in which the child cannot survive outside of the womb by itself, right? Uh, that window is closing or, or getting smaller now, again, as you have young babies being able to survive because of medical miracles, younger and younger. And that is indeed the question here, whether abortion can happen and when it can happen, and when viability begins. The question of when life begins, by the way, is settled science. Life begins at conception. You have your own unique DNA. You are a life. There are those who would like to believe that Roe v. Wade settled the issue of abortion once and for all, Mississippi's Attorney General Lynn Finch said in July, a July statement regarding the case. But all it did was establish a special rules regime for abortion jurisprudence that has left these cases out of step with the other court decisions and neutral principles of law applied by the court. The unborn baby is considered viable after 24 weeks through medical intervention and a stay in the NICU are usually required this early. Babies are born 23 weeks, have now have a survival rate of about 5% to 6%. An analysis by Charlotte Lozer and the Institute of Medical Experts found that unborn babies can feel pain as early as 12 weeks. All right. Well, you certainly have a whopper here and an issue that they don't want to talk about further in the White House. Again, this is not a great issue for Joe Biden. Joe Biden on this issue is... Uh, 
let's just say problematic. You have Joe Biden saying in uh, clips from the last decade that he is pro-life and he wants to accept uh, life at conception. Um, and then, of course, you have Joe Biden as president saying the opposite. Let's uh, let's play those clips. Here's the first clip from Joe Biden when he was vice president talking about uh, as a Catholic that he accepts life at conception. I'm prepared to accept that the moment of conception is human life and being. And now here's Joe Biden as president uh, saying precisely the uh, opposite, which is really problematic. I respect their views. I respect them, they, those who believe life begins in the moment of conception. And all. I, I respect that. Don't agree, but I respect that. And now here is Jen Psaki trying to essentially paper over the disastrous Biden drives car through wall. Biden Kool-Aid man runs through wall, destroys everything. Can't remember what his own church teaches. Uh, here's Saki trying to clean up after Joe Biden makes a big messy poo everywhere. Why does the president support abortion when his own Catholic faith teaches abortion is morally wrong? He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. Why does the president, who does he believe then should look out for the unborn child? He believes that it's up to a woman to make those decisions uh, and up to a woman to make those decisions with her doctor. I know you've never faced those choices, nor have you ever been pregnant, but for women out there who have faced those choices, this is an incredibly difficult thing. The president believes their rights should be respected. Go ahead. I think we got to move on. I think we have to move on. You've had plenty of time today. Go ahead. So, yeah, let's just say the administration isn't welcoming this issue to be thrust forthright back onto the national stage and neither is Joe Biden because his own church actually is trying to stop him and Nancy Pelosi and everyone who's pushing abortion on a national level from taking communion and their holy sacraments. This is a big issue. It's not a good issue for the administration. It's an issue that they are losing on nationally. It's an issue of the number of abortions and the incidence of abortions in this country are spiraling downwards in a wonderful, wonderful trend. And you're starting to see a generation actually trust the science, actually believe in the science. The science says that children can feel pain. The, China, the science says that this is someone's unique body. This is someone's unique life, their unique DNA. And also you're starting to see the results of abortions on the, you're starting to see a lot of studies on the results of abortions on women and that they are not good lifetime scarring and pain. And there's major psychological problems that happen in an abortion, and it doesn't bode well for the people who want to live happy, good lives to be using abortion as birth control. The studies are in, the science is settled, that is settled science, and the White House is certainly not wanting to have that argument right now. Joe Biden certainly is not wanting to come into conflict with every group in America, including his own church, and it seems like every single group in America is starting to really turn on Joe Biden. They're starting to really turn on the absurdist policies of this administration, the policy of this administration that strike the core of what it means to be an American. And there is going to be a backlash, a backlash indeed starting in our entertainment industry. You saw this last week, Nicki Minaj come out against forced vaccinations. She didn't attend the Met Gala because she did not want to have a forced vaccination. This, of course, is a very brave stance, but a very logical stance as well, looking through and understanding American history and understanding the country that we live in and that the government has never been too great when it comes to 
uh, bodily autonomy, right? You live in a country that did have slavery. You live in a country that did have the Tuskegee experiments or what Joe Biden, who Joe Biden would call the Tuskegee Airmen. And <laughs> I love that clip. <laughs> Uh, and so you have a bad history of the government not respecting bodily autonomy in this country. Indeed, if you do not have control over your own body and you do not have control over what goes into it, then you are, in fact, a slave by definition. Bodily autonomy is something granted to you by a creator. It's something given to you, the ability for you to control your life, your happiness, your pursuits. Those are things that you have to do when you have your own bodily autonomy. You can only do them if you have your own bodily autonomy. So you have celebrities actually hitting back at the hypocrisy and of the dictates of this administration. It is a shocking loss of narrative, a collapse of the narrative. And in fact, some of those people were all gathered in a room this weekend in a hermetically sealed little tent, according to Seth Rogen, at the Emmys Awards. Yes, right. The Emmys happened this weekend. And it was so hypocrite. I mean, it's like it, it, it is amazing. I mean, truly. The Hollywood elite packed into a tent. The tent isn't actually a tent. It's a structure by every conceivable means of the definition of the word structure. There were chandeliers hanging from the ceilings. There were cameras hanging from the structure. It was a structure. It's a building, all right? They're just... They're just insulting you at this point, right? By calling this a tent, by saying that they were outside. No. This was even too much for Seth Rogen to handle. Seth Rogen went in on the abject hypocrisy of this moment. Seth Rogen, of all people, understanding that this whole uh, this whole situation did not look great. Obviously, LA has a COVID restriction mandate. Everyone has to be masked if you're indoors. This event violated that and Seth Rogen called them out from the stage pretty amazing um, anyway good to be here at the Emmy Awards let me start by saying there is way too many of us in this little room what are we doing they said this was outdoors it's not they lied to us we're in a hermetically sealed tent right now I would not have come to this why is there a roof it's more important that we have three chandeliers than that we make sure we don't kill Eugene Levy tonight. That is what has been decided. But yeah, it, it turns out that there are betters in this country. It is the world that they want. They do want to live in two different alternate realities where you are the where you are the slaves and they are the masters. That is the way that communism always works. It's uh, you know it's cold comfort, but at least these people are consistent. They always believe that they are better and they do not have to live by your rules. Mao Zedong and Kim Jong-il feasted on lobster and caviar as their people starved. Joseph Stalin, well, he had multiple palatial mansions, properties, and castles all throughout Russia while he stole the property and the rights to property from every Russian serf and slave that lived under his brutal jackboot. They have never, ever, ever wanted to live by their own rules. AOC wears a tax the rich dress that was designed by a tax scoff law and a tax bum. That's right. The person who designed AOC's dress, well, she doesn't pay her taxes, okay? These people are not going to follow the COVID mandates. And indeed, according to breaking reports, uh, the 
Los Angeles Department of Health insists that the Emmy Awards ceremony didn't violate restrictions because a class it is classed as TV production and stars are considered performers. <laughs> oh man. Oh, this is too good. Yes, the TV stars are considered a protected class of people. Yes, the germs will not go into their bodies. The germs will say, oh, Seth Rogen, oh my goodness, you beautiful TV star, I will not enter your body. That is how viruses work. LA County Health Department said exemptions are made for film and TV productions with additional safety modifications. All those who were present, including the guests and crew, were fully vaccinated. Those working behind the scenes had to show a negative test, blah, blah, blah. Uh, The entire event was ripped by Seth Rogen, who mocked it. We played you that clip. And hundreds of celebrities packed the ceremony, sitting on top of each other, quite literally, uh, in this ceremony. L.A. has a mass mandate that says that anyone at an indoor event that has more than 1,000 people, and this certainly was one of those, uh, have to mask at all times. Yeah, but according to our health betters and our experts, if you are a celebrity, well, then you are immune to the virus. You are considered a performer, and you are a special class of person. Guys, we cannot allow this to happen in our society. We are quickly spiraling into a third world America. It's like this country wants to become a third world country. You cannot have tribalist classes of people warring against each other. It is not the American way. It will lead to the destruction of this nation as we know it. You cannot have open borders. You cannot have open borders with a welfare state. You cannot allow this level of hypocrisy to reign supreme. And indeed, these people want to reign over you. They want to rule over you. We mustn't allow it as a culture. We must push back and we must allow for a rebirth of freedom in this nation founded on our founding documents. Those documents state that all men are created equal and that there are no special classes of people, even if they are TV performers sitting inside of a little tent in Hollywood. (laughs) Oh, man, the RPMs at which our founders are spinning in their graves. We will be spinning here the... Real news for you, turning uh, straw into gold on our show tomorrow, and we will uh, be right back here on The Benny Show. We really appreciate all of your support. We had a wonderful launch of this podcast last week, and we are very, very excited to be bringing you the news every single day, news without corporate interference, news without political bias and interference from on high just the truth that's what you'll get here on the Betty show thank you so much for listening i will see you tomorrow